Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Well, thank you, friends. Good morning, everybody. Uh, again, uh, Jerry and Joyce, we are so blessed to have them. Oh, my God, thank you. Uh, they sang my message this morning. Every song that they chose had little pieces and bits of my message. And so you'll, you'll hear little uh, familiar things uh, being said and spoken of. But I'm going to do, um, we're going through Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and it has been so rich so far. I'm going to do Corinthians 6 today, but we're going to back up just a little bit and um, so we know where we're going here. So Paul is ministering to the people at Ephesus, and, he, and I told you the last time that when he writes a letter, it's because he needs to write a letter. There's something going on. They need encouragement. They need correction. Um, they need a right word uh, uh, so that they can live out the, Chris, the Christian life. In effectiveness. So uh, 517, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you all know that you are a minister. You're not a card packing Christian, but you are a minister in God's eyes. You share the gospel. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. And it goes on 6.1, as God's co-workers, we work with God. We partner with him. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation. So Paul is asking them, for a response to God's mercy and grace that has come through the death and resurrection of Jesus, his son. He's using these powerful words like uh, implore and I urge you, words like now. And now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. It is essential, it's important, it's imperative, and it is crucial. This is taken from Isaiah 49, 8 through 9, it's a time when Israel was uh, coming home. God was bringing them home uh, providentially to their homeland after they had been in captivity to Babylon. This is what the Lord says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, inheritances, to say to the captives, come out 
and to those in darkness, be free. You know, when God offers us salvation, uh, and it can happen when you're young, middle-aged, or old. It, uh, you can be uh, any age. But he says when he offers salvation, we have to grow, grow, grab a hold of it and hold on as tight as we can because it is so valuable. We cannot live without it. For we are saved by grace through faith, and it is how we be free. Galatians 4.4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full right as his sons and daughters. Jesus came to us to deliver us from the evil one and to reconcile us back to God. This, that salvation, it came through the death of Jesus on the cross. I call it a breakthrough day, a breakthrough day, because Jesus broke through every obstacle that was in my way and your way to God. It separated us. There were barriers in the way. Usually it's our sin that separates us from God. It's when Christ called out telestai, to telestai. That's a hard, I don't speak Greek. And I don't speak Hebrew, but I can sound out things pretty well. Tetelestai. He said, it is finished. I've done it all. There's no more debt that you can pay. And Jesus broke through all those barriers that separated us. The veil that separated in the temple, us from God. It was torn in two. Jerry, you said it was six inches thick. And I, I just, that is just amazing. From ceiling to floor, it was a separation. It was a barrier. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, that was torn from bottom to top so that we would understand that it was God doing it and not man. And I had this thought, it's like, aren't we glad that some well-meaning seamstress didn't go back and sew that thing up together again so that we were outside of God's presence? No, she didn't. We can enter boldly into his throne room. The Messiah has come. And God is willing to show mercy through him. There is no other way, there's no other man, and there's no other cross. There is no other time like right now to accept the gift of eternal life from the one who loves you most. And if you are even thinking that you are not saved or you have trouble believing it, accept him today. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the time of salvation. I said it before, you can always trust a man who's willing to die for you. The truth is, we cannot calculate or even count on tomorrow. Even our next breath is in the hands of God. And Psalm 103, 14 through 15 says, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. I need Jesus, and you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And Paul's life reflects his own message, God's message. And, you know, we people will malign us, and they might slander us and speak ill will of us, but we don't, we don't listen to them. 
We listen to what God says about us. We are who he says we are. Paul gives the details of what he's been through for the sake of the continuance of the gospel. And that's verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. In other words, he's commending his own ministry because there were, there were false teachers coming into the, the Christian faith and, and maligning the apostles, maligning their message. And they were mixing with the Corinthians who were so wicked and immoral and that's not what God has for us. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses. Okay, so Paul clearly suffered for Christ. In 6, 4 through 5, it says they were servants of God, and they endured great troubles and hardships and distresses. In beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, and sleepless nights, and hunger. All right? <clears throat> Paul's character was consistent, even though he was going through all this. Because I think he focused on God. And you know, when you're going through a hard time, you need to have your eyes set, focused, zeroed in on God and all of his abilities, rather than your own. Uh, to really make it through these hard times. <clears throat> he remained stable and secure in his stand for Christ. And that's what we can do too when we focus on God. Keep your eyes set on God. Paul's character was consistent regardless of his struggles or circumstances. And Paul was clear that he, that what he suffered and persevered through was by God's enablement and not his own. God can get you through. He says, I will walk with you through water. I will walk with you through the fire. I'll be right next to you. I'll be all around you. You can't not get rid of Jesus. You know, he was defending his reputation, Paul was. And you know, our reputation is something that's so valuable to us because if we're ministers of God, as people look at us, they really need to see Jesus in this world. And that's what we do. He guarded his reputation, and so do we. And I, I had this vision this morning about reputation, and it's like, okay, so it's like trying to get the skunk smell off of a dog. You love your dog, right? And, and they are so sweet, and there's this beautiful, you know, love thing going on between you and your pet. But the minute they smell like a skunk, you want to hold them at arm's length. And you have to wash and wash and wash just to get that stinky smell off of them. That's the same way with your reputation. If you lose your reputation, you stink. And it might take a lot of washing to get your reputation back in order. And so our, we have to walk what we're talking. That's called integrity. And so, 6 through 7, it says, In purity, in understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in, in sincere love, in truthful speech and in power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left through glory and dishonor. The things he lists here, that, that's pretty amazing. He's saying... Um, using words love and patience and kindness. 
what, it, what that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. He's, his life is bearing fruit. He's living the life of the fruitfulness of having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if we practice those qualities, then those same qualities will become part of our own character. Verses 8 through 10. Through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich through the gospel of Jesus, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul defends his ministry with the use of opposites to contrast the two is called dichotomy. And the bad versus the good, the rich versus the poor. And this is the best part. Even though I have nothing, if I had Jesus, I had everything. I don't need to worry. I don't need to fret. I don't need to fear. Because with Jesus, we do have everything we need for this life and for the one to come. So I want to ask you, what's the opposite of a microwave? A tsunami. What is the opposite of defeat? To hand. Defeat to hand. To hand. Yeah. Okay, verse 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Remember, he's reminding them, I love you, you're my children. Open wide your hearts. So what he's addressing here is he, he's, number one, he addressed his ministry with, uh, with the opposites. But also, Paul is noting that their love was not reciprocal. He loved them so much. He was ready to, to work for them, to die for them. He loved them that much, but they weren't loving him because false teachers had gotten in and kind of shook their faith up. They were weak in the faith is what he was um, saying. He could feel that they did not have the same love for Paul as Paul had for them. And true agape love, and I just learned this the other day and it was so beautiful, I thought, it's God's love is agape love. is choosing to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least, at great personal cost. I'll repeat that. Choosing to give another person what they need most, when they deserve it the least, at great personal cost. And it did. Jesus was sacrificed for us. That cost is the ultimate. He paid the most. And it cost him his life. You know, uh, the other day I was feeding my horses. It was last Saturday. And um, a question popped into my mind. And I'm thinking, I certainly didn't think this myself, believe me. Okay, it's just, and it, it said, do you really know what I've done for you? Ah, uh, I knew who that was because I wouldn't think that on my own. This is one of those moments where you say, yes, Lord, I am listening. You know, even in the mundane things that you're doing, 
Christ can tap you on the shoulder and speak deep things into your heart. You can be working on a car. You can be sawing wood. You can be grocery shopping. You can be quilting. You can be painting a house. You can be sitting in your car enjoying a, a Big Mac. What those mundane things that we go through, God is there and he's wanting to talk to you. So I took a time out and I had the opportunity, seeing as how I was in McKinleyville, to go up to Vista Point there and watch the ocean. It's beautiful and very soothing and quieting. So I asked God before I got there, I asked him to meet with me and to speak into me and help me to truly know what did the death of his son do for me? What did you provide for me? I want to know. I want to know. I don't want to discredit him. I don't want to take away from him. I, don't, I want to fully understand the immensity uh, of what his death on the cross provided. I don't want to take his sacrifice for my salvation for granted. He gave his life the ultimate sacrifice that cost, great cost, for my sin, which was worthless and putrid. I smelled like a skunk. And he took that, quite an exchange, huh? Do we really understand and appreciate what Jesus has done for us? I still don't know the immensity or the tremendous value of Christ, what Christ has done for me. All I know is I was lost, but now I'm found. That's so simple, but it is so true. So I jotted down those things, and you hold it in your hand, those things that he brought to mind, is it a total list? Nope. No way it's not a total list. Don't ever forget, I'm human. Is it alphabetized? Nope. It's not. Is it in order? Nope. But it is a start. And it's what I have experienced in my 40 years of serving Christ in whatever way I possibly could. So I'm going to read it, and you can follow along with me. This is an incomplete list of my inheritance from Christ's death and resurrection. Purchased with his blood, his blood covers all my sin. Capital A-L-L, -L, I wish I'd done. He rescued me. He saved me for him and saved me from hell. I received undeserved grace. He gives only perfect gifts. He washed me clean, white as snow. He paved the way to heaven. He removed all obstacles between me and God. He is my righteousness. He gave me access to the throne. I am welcomed and accepted. He chose me. He made me his own. He set my feet on the rock. He healed my hurts. He endowed me with hope. Transformed my heart and mind. Built a home for me in heaven. Guaranteed the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. And he reconciled me to, his, to God the Father. He birthed me into a new way of thinking and living, and he endowed me with a new way of walking, talking, and behaving. He granted me resurrection when I die, or the rapture. Provides me with power to live for God. He planted seeds of faith in me. He welcomed me into the kingdom of God. He protects me from this world system, and everything I need comes from him. He shares his glory with me, and he trusts me with his word. I'm being made into his image. He is my peace. He purposed me to serve him alone. 
He wants me to be with him for all eternity. And I am loved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So let's go on to verse 16 in 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can, can light have in darkness, with darkness? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is Paul's word for Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and the idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God says. Here he uses again those opposites to really help us to understand what he's really saying. So lastly, uh, in verse 14, Paul is exhorting the, Christ, the Corinthian believers to protect their faith. You know, Corinth was already a very wicked, immoral city. They filled with idolatry and morality. At any given time, there were between eight and 30,000 idols and temples there in Corinth, and they worshiped them. And it was a part of their every day. They were just consumed uh, with this. It was a way of social uh, networking in the temples. There was a drastic division between Christians and the Corinthians' value systems, their beliefs, and who they served. Paul was warning the believers, do not do anything that would compromise your faith or divide your loyalties from God. He does this out of love for him. Now, he's not talking here about marriages because many of the, of the Christians, they, were, they married outside their faith. And that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about anything. And what they would do is they would uh, sacrifice to these idols, and then they would sell that meat in in the the um, the little stores. And what he's saying is, don't even go there. Don't have any kind of a business dealing, you know, uh, with things like that. Don't contaminate your faith, for you are set apart. And he upholds his standards, right? So Paul's warning the believers not to have anything to do with those sorts of things, no business dealings. And he does this out of love. The Lord in Joshua 23.6 commanded his people to not have anything to do with other nations or they would be a snare to him and they were to avoid idolatry of any kind. He says, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done until now. So God doesn't change his standards to fit our culture or times. He remains the same. God is still the same God as he was in the Old Testament. He is still a jealous God for his people and their affections for him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 says that. And from Genesis to Revelation, his message is the same, and it is truth. So let's finish up here. It says, or... For we are the temple 
of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. And this is like uh, a repetition or a looking forward from back Genesis to Revelations. And he says the same thing here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne. Who do you think that was? Who's seated on the throne at the right hand of God? Jesus. Jesus. Shout it out. Jesus. He says, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down. He's talking to John. Write this down. It's important. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. Same thing as to Telestai. It is finished. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this. Wow, so much. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice, ma who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And so my main point is what God laid on my heart. Do you really know? Do you really understand what God has purchased for you? What he did in exchange for you? And so I want you to take out this paper and maybe you can do it now. Is What things would you add to this? I already thought of three more things and I didn't write them down. What more? Is there something there that you can say, ah, this too, add it to your list. Anybody? No? I thought, he's my burden bearer. Man, I have somebody to go to when I am under stress, when things are too rough for me. I have a burden bearer. I can go to him in prayer anytime. He is uh, that 24-7-365 open line all night long that I can go to him. How about I'm adopted? No matter what my family was, 
And I'm the last one left in my family. Everybody else is gone. And so no matter what it was, I am adopted. I have a new father. I have a brother. And I get to share his inheritance. That's, that is just mind-boggling to me that I get all this. He says, you get all this and more. Anyone? Father to the fatherless. I'm sorry? Father to the fatherless. <gasps> Father to the fatherless. I love that. Yeah. How about a husband to the widow? He's my husband. We were talking about rings and, um, and what they mean. And when a husband gives a ring to his bride, it means something. It's, it cost him something, right? It's a, it's a symbol of his love. And um, so I took my wedding ring that Roy gave me um, and so that I remember um, I had the very center stone, the largest diamond removed, and I put in a blood red ruby so that I could remember that I have a new husband. Now, he's my husband. I'm not alone. You know, and I and he's taking me places. Places I've never been before. Hallelujah. And so he's a good husband. He's a good husband. Anything else? All right. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are so much to us. So much more than we can even fathom. Uh, God. And you uphold us and you sustain us by your word. And uh, I thank you that... Um, you help us to remember by those little taps on the shoulder and the way you speak into our hearts, Lord God, the things we need to know, things we need to care about. And Lord, I want us all to remember that He, God in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you're our priority. Everything down here is going to be changed someday. We won't even recognize it. But we'll recognize you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.